This episode is supported by Zencaster. It's an all-in-one podcast production suite, and it gives you studio-quality audio and video from home without needing all of the technical know-how. I switched to Zencaster for recording my interviews a few months ago, and I have been so impressed. It records each person locally, so even if the internet wobbles, you won't miss a beat. Learn more and save 30% on your first three months at Zencaster.com pricing and enter the code GIRLBONERRADIO. You can start with a free trial of the professional version and then either keep going or switch to their free option moving forward for great interview quality without all the extras. Again, that's Zencaster.com pricing with the code GIRLBONERRADIO or click the direct link down in the show notes. What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. And so I called her and I was like, can you please tell me what you did to save your relationship? Like I, I was like literally wanting a play-by-play or a playbook from her because I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to re- replicate it. Obviously, like <laughs> it doesn't really work like that, but I, I really believed that. Veronica Grant was in the sixth grade when she started setting her sights on finding her one true and lasting love. I was really introduced to the world of boys and making out behind the bleachers and slow dances and all that kind of stuff from a very young age. I really, from that age, wanted to meet my husband. And I know that sounds so crazy because I'm like 10 years old. I don't even know the concept of like what it means to have a life partner, but like It was obviously in a very tween way. After her tweens and teens, Veronica was still on that mission. In fact, she was so into this idea of finding her life partner that years later, when the American sitcom How I Met Your Mother came out, she was hooked. And she sort of used it as a template in conversations. And I was obsessed with that show because I so related to like the, oh, maybe this date will be my last one or be my soulmate. Or I was like so enamored by that whole concept. So much so that I shared my own story of how I met my husband, like in a very How I Met Your Mother style. So instead of like, oh yeah, we just met at a party. I gave the backstory. Why was I at the party? How did I know the person that was at the party with her or whatever? I document the whole thing because I do actually think it's so interesting how all these things lead up to everything. But yeah, I really wanted it from a really, really young age. I was, I was never into like one night stands. I couldn't emotionally take it. Veronica's mission wasn't about, quote, saving herself for marriage sexually. She grew up Jewish and wasn't involved in purity culture. Sex was more of this unspoken thing, she said, except for this one time when her mom sat her down to tell her what it was. That I was like, wait, what? I was like so shocked. I was like, so I was like, 
well, I guess I'll just keep my shirt on because that's like, whoa, that's like way too much. Like, that's weird. And then she handed me a book called Your Body Yourself, which I'm sure you've heard of. I actually love that book. I read the book like five times. I found it so fascinating. But that was all she had. And she was a self-described goody two-shoes, a rule follower. She still is to an extent today. And most of us don't learn that you can be a quote-unquote good girl and embrace sex. Plus, she still didn't know much about the whole sex thing, so she avoided talking about it. Her classmates, on the other hand, did bring it up. I remember one time I, at the end of the school day, we, you know, we all got on the bus and like there was these kids that were, they weren't quite bullies, but they weren't nice either. One of the girls got on the bus and she says, it smells like sex in here. I just sat down and I was like, am I supposed to know what that smells like? And like, I had no idea what like it was supposed to smell like. So I was like trying to figure out like, what do I smell right now? <laughs> <laughs> Little research. So, so I could like learn what sex smells like. And I, so I just felt like there was these things I was supposed to know, but I didn't know. And But then you have to like pretend like you know, and then like you have to be careful about saying like the word pencil because like, oh, ha, 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 you know what I mean? Like, you Wait, know, when the you're word in- pencil? Yeah, because it's like a penis, I guess. <laughs> like oh, I didn't was... know that. <laughs> so I was so. probably running around saying pencil, 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 and people were like, Ooh, <laughs> she's really into this. Like, I just remember just constantly being so afraid to, like, not want to be figured out that I don't know anything about sex and also not say anything that wrong that could be viewed as perverted or sexual nature, like, you know, the word pencil. (laughs) Another thing Veronica hadn't really learned about early on was her emotional needs. Years after the awkwardness of puberty, she started to learn what real emotional availability looks like. And she learned it the hard way after a spree of major heartbreaks while she was living abroad and one in Washington, D.C. after she finished working as a paid staffer on Obama's campaign. She wrote about these breakups in her new book, You Were Meant for Love, a no-nonsense guide to help smart, successful women attract high-quality partners and real love. Veronica told me that the first two of these impactful breakups, which happened back-to-back in her 20s, were the catalyst for where she is today. When the first one happened, she was in grad school in Jerusalem. That relationship started after a guy she knew from college invited her to a party in the Palestinian city, Ramallah. So he invited me out to a night in Ramallah and here I am like a Jewish girl, I'm like partying in Ramallah, okay, cool. I like the paradox, like that sounds fun. So I went not thinking like anything of it other than like, I'm going to go check out Ramallah. That'll be really interesting. So I went and he started flirting with me and it was very obvious about it. Pretty soon, she was checking out more than Ramallah. I was like so enamored by this guy, but I think mostly it was because he was like this popular guy on campus and he was really hot and oh my God, he liked me. He was flirting with me. He was making all the moves like holding my hand, asked for my number. So it wasn't long after that that we started dating. Veronica knew from the beginning of the relationship 
that he planned to move back to the States. And six months in, it became clear that he had no intention of discussing where that would leave the relationship and that his departure would simply mean it was over. And I couldn't figure out how he could date someone like that. I was like, I'm not saying that like we should definitely continue this and be long distance, but like I thought at least a conversation. She said it made her feel like a rental car. The wheels he picked up to have fun while he was abroad. And when the trip ended, no more wheels. And I just, I couldn't figure it out. And so the last few months, I mean, we stayed together, but it just became like this, like this countdown until our our breakup. He would allude to the breakup, but dodge any conversation about it. He even said one night um, I was over at his place and I, and I, and I cooked a lot for him. I really like cooking. And so he even said something along the lines of, man, I don't know what I'm going to do if my next girlfriend doesn't like to cook. Those words hit Veronica like a punch in the gut, she said. It certainly didn't fit her finding a life partner plans. But she felt the need to play it cool and laugh it off. But I was just torn up inside because I was like, no, he doesn't see this going anywhere. You know, and then when we got to like the final month or two, you know, we did start having discussions because like emotionally, I just couldn't hide it anymore. But his viewpoint, his intention, they just were always the same, which is this is temporary. And I just like, I could not, I mean, other than just the hurt and just like feeling again, like that car rental, I, I couldn't understand. I think that was part that probably drove me the most crazy. I was like, how can you just be with someone? And then just like, okay, cool. We're done. <laughs> like, I just didn't understand. Was the relationship good otherwise? Like, how would you describe the good parts of the relationship? It sounds like you said it wasn't like super serious, but it sounds like it was a fairly serious, like it was committed while you were together. Oh, yeah. Like I was his girlfriend. Like we definitely had that, you know, container for sure. I was friends with all of his friends. He met my mom when she came over to visit. It seemed to me like it was a, you know, just... Not like serious in the sense like, oh, let's go pick out rings, but serious in the sense of like, we saw each other all the time. We went on trips together. He had a more comfortable setup. So I was at his house more often, but definitely every weekend and then usually a night or two during the week. I mean, it was like a serious relationship in terms of time and and energy. And was he a kind person? On one hand, it seems like you had very different goals and ideas about relationships, or at least that relationship. But it seems like there was a coldness about him and how he left. Yeah, it was, he was really cold. I mean, like I said, he was very popular. He's very charismatic. He has a lot of friends, so a lot of people like him. He was also a bit full of himself, she said. Very confident about his looks, his smarts, and his Ivy League education. I don't know, and it's funny because he told me that he... I forget the exact words, but he told me uh, towards the very end that he really wanted someone who was like more on like the same career track um, and more of like a political mindset. And back then I was like in Middle East politics and that was really my career track and everything. And that was his, you know, ideal career track. And I was like, what does he mean by that? Once I like talked about it with my friends, they're like, he doesn't think you're smart and he wants to be with someone smarter. So maybe not so kind. 
They managed to have fun together, and at least the sex was good. More on that later. But once the countdown to his departure and the breakup it would signify arrived, he definitely wasn't kind about her feelings. It wasn't good, you know? Like, again, like, I was just emotionally, it was a lot, and he basically told me I needed to get my emotions together. It was very cold. She said maybe that was his Capricorn nature or the shadow side of that sign. Nothing against Capricorns, Veronica is one too. But in the case of this guy, she said, that shadow side was showing. His roommate and I, he had a car, so he drove him to the airport. I went with. And, you know, we said our goodbyes. I'm assuming we had one more kiss. I don't even remember, to be totally honest. And then I got in the car and I was just like, Maybe my Capricorn self is coming up because I was just stoic. And I think at that point, I was just like so emotionally spent. Veronica talks about two parts of getting over an ex. There's getting over the actual person. And then there's the getting over the lifestyle and all you shared. That latter part often takes more effort, she said, especially if you placed your value in what you shared, like she did. Because he chose me, I made that mean something about myself. And I rode that worthiness high for almost the year that we were together. Looking back... Veronica sees what she needed back then. She needed to process what the relationship helped her believe about herself and then learn to generate those good parts from within herself or see them. Maybe they were already there. No relationship required. Instead, she did what's pretty easy for most of us to do after a breakup. Before she was ready, she got into another relationship. She did have a short break, though. That summer, between two years of grad school, she decided to get out of there. A change of pace could do her good. So she moved to Syria for a couple of months. It was just an awesome experience. But one thing that was really nice was uh, it was just a lot of like me time and just being by myself because, you know, my Arabic was okay, but it wasn't great. I was just really like with myself a lot. In some ways, Veronica found that experience healing. I think it did help me get over the person, but it did not change or help me heal the part of me that sourced all of my worthiness to the relationship. That is when Veronica met, let's call him guy number two. At the time, she had returned to Jerusalem and she was working for a human rights organization. And I met this guy, he was working there, and I just became completely enamored by him. Again, like he was interested in me. I was kind of like, you know, making more effort than I was with the first guy, but also like it was also very clear that he was very interested in me. And that felt good. It tapped into her need to feel worthy. Plus, she was really attracted to him. Well, he was like my type, physically. (laughs) What does that mean? So I'm a really big fan of like the, he's actually not this, but he looks kind of like the mountain man guy. (laughs) So he has like the full beard, darker kind of coarse hair. That is just like my jam. (laughs) And he was Jewish. 
this last guy wasn't Jewish, which I was okay with. But like for me, I would more ideally like to marry someone Jewish. So she thought, oh, he's really cute. He's really into me. And he's Jewish. Like, oh, okay. So I just like created this story in my head. Like, this is it. I just went through this horrible breakup. This is how all the rom-coms go. And now like, here he is. Like, <laughs> and, and so I think I just created this story in my head, not just of who he was, but also of what the relationship was going to be. And what she imagined really was a story. The fictitious kind you daydream up through hopeful rose-colored glasses. In reality, guy number two was less committed than guy number one, the one that made her feel like a spin in a rental car. Because that relationship was nowhere near the similar amount of seriousness. We were never officially together. I was never officially his girlfriend. I would say the first two or three months were super, super fun and both really liked each other. But there was no life partner or even significant other commitment. She couldn't help but wonder, what's going on? As it turned out, he wasn't into labels. He didn't believe in them. That's also known as relationship anarchy, by the way. It's a dynamic that's valid and worth embracing for those who feel connected to it. But Veronica did not. She wanted what so many of us do, a committed partnership. And she wanted labels, the officialness. So you had the talk of, are we a couple? And he was like, I don't want a label. Don't put me in a box. Yeah. And I pretended to be okay with that. They had a few conversations about it, which continued to highlight their differences. It seemed like the more it came up, the more he pulled away. Meanwhile, Veronica tried to push them back together. After that, like, it just became a game of me getting us back to how it was at the beginning of the relationship where I felt like he was super, super into me. And also a game of getting him to see how awesome I I was so that he would want to be with me. He was a political anthropologist applying for a PhD and doing research around social movements and politics in Israel and Palestine. You know, I thought I was like, well, how does he not like me? I'm like a Jewish girl and I live in Ramallah. Like, doesn't he think that's cool? To try to make their compatibility more clear, she even threw a Hanukkah party and attended protests with hopes of impressing him. I mean, not that I like I disagree with all that stuff, but I just thought he would think it was cool. So I just did all of these things to like, just look how awesome I am. Look how well matched we would be. Look how we're on the same wavelength in terms of values and politics and all that kind of stuff. And obviously it never, never worked. Veronica felt like she was stuck in a state of limbo for several months. It made her miserable. And her tireless efforts to prove herself to him took a toll on her mental health. You know, again, like if I had a text from him, like I was great. Everything was awesome. Life was great. But if I felt he was pulling away or I hadn't heard from him or if we didn't have plans set or whatever, It wasn't just, I was like, oh, that's a bummer. It was hard to get out of bed in the morning. It was hard to do all the work I needed to do for grad school. I had to start thinking about, okay, what am I going to do after grad school and apply to jobs? And do I move back to the States? I want to stay. And and so it was just hard, if not impossible, just to do all that stuff other than just lay on my bed and watch How I Met Your Mother. (laughs) I spent a lot of time that year doing that. Oh, my heart. That is such a 
visceral experience you're describing, it just, it makes me sad. And I also remember being in those places where your self-worth is so based on this person and this dynamic. It's almost like I will be an awesome person if this works out. Yeah. It was miserable. It was really, really miserable. And then one day I, I think I just like couldn't take it anymore. My friends were like, just talk to him. They're trying to pump me up. Like, it'll be fine. Like just get on the same page and blah, blah, blah. So we were hanging out and then I was like, I think we need to talk. He was like, okay. And I honestly can't remember what I said, but (laughs) he said, you know, I think I'm just really over us. I think I just need to move on. Did it feel out of the blue? I don't think so. I think part of what felt so horrible was that deep knowing that I knew it was over like many months before, but like trying to convince myself or prayed around to make it not be true. In all, their time together was shorter than her time with guy number one, and more of a situationship. The guys were very different from each other, too. But one important thing had not changed. So it certainly wasn't as serious or quote-unquote official as the first one, but the pattern of me just completely outsourcing my worthiness to the outcome of the relationship that pattern was very much still in place. Looking back, Veronica sees a pattern in the sexual aspects of the relationships too. I think in both relationships, I used sex to try to get them to like me. Well, the first relationship, that guy just wanted to have sex all the time. And, you know, I I like having sex, but I didn't want to have sex all the time like he did. (laughs) But I I just did because, especially during those months where I was like, I got to do everything I can so he doesn't just like drop me. And then the second relationship, it was a little bit more of like, I would say, trying to seduce him. At one point with guy number two, she was feeling insecure about the relationship and they had had one of their, what are we talks? And he had more or less said like, he didn't want to be in a relationship with me. And we had sex like right after that. And it was like really good sex. And I really wanted to like make sure that he just felt like this amazing physical connection with me. And, you know, it worked because we definitely kept seeing each other after that. Sex may have kept that situationship going, but... It also prolonged Veronica's suffering, and it seems to have hurt the guy a bit, too. During a similar talk later, near their final breakup, he said, I basically told you that I didn't want to be in a relationship with you, and then, like, we had sex. I don't think he was, like, blaming it on me, but he definitely saw, like, how sex was being used to continue, even though there was nothing really there. That sounds like a form of breakup sex. I think people sometimes do try to leverage it that way. I hadn't thought about it in my own experience until you shared that, but I had a bad experience with breakup sex where I thought we were having sex just to be like, it's over and here's our last hurrah. And he thought 
it undid the breakup? To me, it I kind of felt like probably how your partner felt. Like, okay, well, he just told me he didn't want to be in a relationship. He just had a really great sex with me, and I know he did. But he just went along with how I perceived it, I guess, because we kept seeing each other after that. Veronica told me that she didn't even really enjoy having sex with guy number two, maybe partly because it was strictly about getting him to like her. Guy number one was a different story, orgasmic for her every time. And sex with him taught her something really important about herself. And here's why. The boyfriend she had before guy number one, so like Mr. Zero, that sounds terrible, but it was her college boyfriend who started out as her best friend. The most amazing, sweet guy. And then he confessed his love. And then I was like, I don't think so. And then eventually I decided to come around. But I think I was just so enamored by like how cute the story would be. Like if we were best friends and then fell in love and then got married. So we were best friends and we dated. And of course, I loved him dearly. Like he was a really, really good friend. He was an amazing guy. So sweet. Um. I never wanted to have sex with him. <laughs> and I used to justify it to myself by saying, I'm just not that sexual a person. And that's what I would tell myself that whole time that we that we dated. And so then I met the guy at Living Abroad, the first boyfriend I had, and I really did like having sex with him. It was it was like great. Like I loved it. I have gratitude for that because that showed me like I am a sexual person and I do like having sex. Like the problem in that last relationship wasn't just the fact that I just am not a sexual person. The problem was that I just wasn't sexually attracted to my boyfriend, which just gave me so much confidence and comfort because especially when both of those relationships, the two relationships in a row that were falling apart, I used to regret, why did I break up with my college boyfriend? He was willing to give me everything that I wanted. He was so sweet. He was so funny, so emotionally available. Like I could have been engaged already probably, you know, with the direction we were going. And especially after those two breakups, I would definitely fall into that. Did I make a mistake kind of trap? And then I would just have to remind myself, like I didn't want to have sex with him ever. And I like having sex. So that's a problem. And that gave me a lot of comfort. Around the end of her relationship with guy number two, Veronica's mental health was really in a dark place. So for the first time, she decided to seek out professional support from a therapist. She was asking me about my upbringing and my parents and my childhood. And I was like, why is she asking me this? But Veronica answered the questions anyway. And what the therapist said next is imprinted in her brain, she said forever. And she just says, huh, okay, so, you know, it sounds like your family wasn't very emotionally close growing up. And I just sat there. I was like, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That's when everything clicked. I'm a human, I have emotional needs, but like, I wasn't getting those emotional needs met in my upbringing. And I was trying to get them met through these guys that I was dating, that was part of the reason why I was just latching myself onto them completely blindly. That realization wasn't an instant fix, but it was what she needed. And it started to change everything. Because until that moment, I just felt like I was 
missing something or I didn't know something. During one of her relationships, she recalls calling up one of her friends who had had a really rocky start to her relationship with her now husband. No one thought that this pair would make it, but somehow they worked it out and cultivated what seemed like a really strong and happy relationship. And so I called her and I was like, can you please tell me what you did to save your relationship? Like I, I was like literally wanting a play-by-play or a playbook from her because I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to re- replicate it. Obviously, like, <laughs> it doesn't really work like that, but I, I really believed that. And that moment with her therapist helped her see that there is no playbook. There is, however, healing work that we can do within ourselves. Today, Veronica is in a very different place in pretty much always. She's happily married, she's a new mom, and she is a successful life and love coach with the new book out I mentioned. On her website, she says, I help women do the deep work so they can find deep love. Love that stems from within and from healing versus outsourcing your worthiness to others as she once did. I feel like I should mention that this is different from saying, love yourself or no one else will love you. That message makes me really upset. Love can be healing and we don't have to be these quote unquote whole complete people to find it or to deserve it. That's not what Veronica's getting at. She's working with people to heal those wounds that she has had. And that can benefit so many areas of our lives. And of course, enhance our relationships. I asked Veronica for a practical step we can take if we want to start doing this work in our lives. I think the easiest, most practical thing to do is just no matter you know, where you are right now, if you're in a crappy relationship, if you're like single AF, if you just made a big mistake or you regret, whatever it is, instead of beating yourself up about it, because that's only going to perpetuate whatever pattern that's probably keeping you in, you know, somewhat crappy situations or relationships is instead just be compassionate with yourself. Like, goodness gracious, I just went out with that guy last night, even though I knew he was a jerk and I did it anyways, you could beat yourself up about it, or you could just be really compassionate with yourself. Like imagine it was your 10 year old self making a mistake or five year old self, like, would you beat her up about it? Would you be mean to her? Probably not. And that doesn't seem like a big thing. But like, a lot of times the way we treat ourselves reflects the pattern that is in our romantic relationships, right? I got confidence from being skinnier or getting straight A's or whatever. Likewise, I got confidence from having a guy like me back. <laughs> and then that's when I could be nice to myself when I reached my goals and I tracked everything right, but then I would beat myself up about it if I wasn't. And so if I instead just had compassion when I quote unquote made a mistake, that could have slowly begun to untangle, you know, this pattern that I had gotten myself in. Everyone can be even just 1% nicer to themselves. Just saying one nice thing to yourself doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but if it begins to unravel this pattern and this worldview we have of how we get love or whatever, like that's actually pretty significant.
can learn more about Veronica Grant at veronicagrant.com and find her book, You Are Meant for Love, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Apple Books. She described the book as a love note to her 20-something self. In it, she dives deeply into the two relationships we touched on today and shares a process for finding what she calls soul lessons from your past relationships so that you can gain clarity around problems that you've had and change them. And you can hear bonus excerpts from my conversation with Veronica on Patreon. If you are enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I would love to hear from you by way of a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the iTunes Store. You can also support the show and get fun extras by joining my community at patreon.com slash girlboner. And if you check out Zencaster for podcasting, I want to hear about it. Learn more or sign up at the discount link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>